love you. We love you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You're here. You're here. You're here, God. I feel your presence, God. I sense the power of the Holy Spirit in this room, God. And Father, we just pray that you would just speak to our hearts and change our lives, God. I pray to God that those watching online, God, will experience the power of the Holy Spirit moving in their lives, God, today, God. I pray that you would speak to us, God, and that you would transform us, God, through the Word of God today, Lord. I believe that, Lord, you have a a message and a topic, God, that is so vital to us today, God. And I just pray that you'd speak to our hearts today and change our lives through the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We've been, uh, last year we, we talked a lot, really unusual year, we, we preached a, a, a continuous topic of, we, we knew that shaking was going to come, we've been preaching that for years from this pulpit, and uh, we're here in that time now, and uh, Kevin, we were talking about that, Paral- you said it out of your own mouth, we're in perilous times, and we are in perilous times. And uh, so uh, we, we, we wanted last year to prepare ourselves for the shaking and the continued shaking that is upon us. And we knew that in order to the whole world, everything that can be shaken will be shaken and only that which cannot be shaken will remain. Well, I got news for you. Only that which cannot be shaken is, is God and the things of God. And so uh, we wanted to make sure last year that we had a complete understanding of what it meant to be on the foundation of Jesus Christ, on a firm foundation, so that when the shaking occurred, you're either on a solid rock or you're on sinking sand. And so we're in a day where it talks about those perilous times. It talks about apostasy on one hand, and I believe there's somewhat of a, of, a, of a turning to God on the other hand. I believe there's a division and a dividing line that we're seeing more evident in these days of people either turning to God or turning away from God. And uh, so we wanted to make sure we're on that firm foundation, on that good footing. So we preached on the covenants almost an entire year on just making sure you were, you were know that you know that you you know that you are in Christ, that your salvation is strong, secure, and that you are on the right footing. And then we said we are going to do that so that we can be healed and that we can move out into the harvest field and begin to be uh, disciples and make disciples. The great commission that Jesus left us when he went uh, and left us as the church, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And, and so we, we, if we're going to become the church that is not just stuck in these four walls, Walls and that everywhere we go, we are, we are being his witnesses to the uttermost parts of the world, then we've got to, if we're to be disciples and then we're to make disciples, we got to know what disciples are, don't we? I mean, we got to know if you're going to make a disciple, you need to know what it is to be a disciple and make a disciple. So today is going to be a little bit more uh, of a teaching, so to say, but I, I really want to get us uh, on the right footing to, to, to being on this foundation and being disciples and, 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 and of, of Jesus Christ. And so with that comes up a question to Two types, are there two types of Christianity? 
Are, are, are there two types of Christianity? Because there are people out there that would have this mindset, and in America, especially in the Western world, we have really, really polluted the gospel in a lot of instances, and we've really changed Christianity from what it looks like in this Bible, in a lot of places, in a lot of our lives, in a lot of the churches, in a lot of our homes. And there, there's actually teachings now that, that, that believe there are converts and then there are disciples. And the disciples is more of an elite club of Christians that actually obey God. But, but everybody's going to heaven, right? And so we want to answer the question today, are there two types of Christians? Are there converts and disciples? Is it okay to just say, well, that's good for them. They're fanatical over there. They actually just, you know, they're a little extreme, but they're that higher class of, uh, uh, you know, disciples, but we're okay just being converts. Let's, so, so that's the question. Are there two types of Christians in the Word of God, and is that okay? Is there a con- such a thing as a convert, and is there such thing as a disciple, are they one and the same? Are they separated? We're going to find out in just a second. And I believe you're going to find out the road is very narrow. And a lot of you who are calling yourselves convert may find out you are in danger of hellfire. So, Father, again, speak to our hearts today and change our lives in Jesus' name. And in this, look. I love things that we enjoy outside of here as well as anybody, but don't you think this, if this is eternity, Cindy, don't you think we ought to study this out really, really, don't you think this really we ought to slow down and, and, and this we ought, to, we, ought to, we ought to perk up a little bit this morning and say, this has to deal with my son, my daughter, my, my loved one who calls themselves. This has to do with a, a lot of people that I love. This has to do with people in this room. Uh, your eternity, your eternity, eternity with God or apart from God. That's a little more important than getting home and watching a binge watching something on Netflix today. That's a little bit more important than saying, give me a 15 minute sermon and get me out of here. This is life and this is death. This is heaven. This is hell. This is eternity. Eternity somewhere. Okay. So, so, so I, I, I want to know, I want to know. Brad Lindsay wants to know. So, so, so a preacher on the internet recently preached something and here's the quote that he said, both converts and disciples, everybody included in that, everybody who has given their life to Jesus, everybody who has been saved, everybody who has been forgiven of their sins will one day reside in a place called heaven. That's, a lot, that's, that's, what a, that's how we got, most of us heard the gospel right there. And we'll be in a place. But though there are many converts, there are few disciples. Notice he's, he's separating the two out now. There are a few only who truly walk with the Lord on a day-by-day basis. That sounds like a lot of the gospel we sell out of America today, doesn't it? Is that true or not? So, so, so even in Paul's day, we find in the scriptures, we find that there are people who Paul talked about had a form of godliness, Amy, but they denied the power thereof. 
So we see even in that day, we, we, we see that Paul mentions about this, about a f- people who claim to be converted. They claim to, to, to be converted, but their life shows nothing of conversion. It bears no fruit out that they're actually converted and, and that, they're, that, that the power of God. See, they deny the radical transformative power that God brings to a person when he's saved. Do you understand that when you get saved, that God brings transformation power into your life and old things pass away and behold, all things become new? Do you understand that? Well, this guy doesn't, okay? True saving faith brings you to a place where your life is changed. You don't just pray a prayer, shake the preacher's hand, dunk in the water, and say, I can go home now and do whatever I want for the rest of my life because I'm going to heaven. Read, read the Bible. Read, read the Word of God. The Bible says saving faith produces something inside of us it changes us and that's a dangerous teaching right there it's a very dangerous teacher telling people they're going to heaven but you don't necessarily have to be a disciple that you could just be a convert so is discipleship equal to christianity or is there a higher level of greater committed christians is that is it? We just have a lower class Christian and a greater committed Christian group to the people to God. Well, let's look in the scriptures and find out. Disciple is used in different ways in the New Testament. One of the ways that it's used often is in reference to the twelve or the eleven. For instance, Matthew. Look at what he says. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. So often in the word of God, sometimes it gives, disciple gives the distinction to just the 12, that inner circle, or to the 11. But there are other times that it is a, a more broader uh, than the 12 to include other people who are, uh, um, actually, it actually even goes so broad is to say even people that aren't genuine. We read it a couple of weeks ago. Look at John 6 and 66. Uh, wait, did I skip one right there? Oh, okay. John 6 and 66. And after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. He's even calling disciples a group of some people that turned away from him and no longer walked with him anymore that weren't genuine. So we see the lean version there of just the 12, just the 11. Then we even see him include these who turned away and turned back as called disciples. But then also disciple in the Word of God can be used in a more limited context. context since since but broader than the 12 and that's in John 8 31 and this is where we're going to really park in this one because look at what he says so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him if you abide in my word you are say the word please truly truly we just saw some who were disciples that went away but I want to be found in this camp of disciples and then Jesus said if You abide in my word. You are truly my disciples. 
That's what we're going to look at today. We're going, to look, we're, going to, we're going to play off of the true disciples today because that's what we want to find out. Are there such things as converts and then this higher elite group called the gold members of disciples, you know, that really actually do the will of the Father, that actually follow Jesus and do what he says. So we're going to look at this and we're going to play off of this one, true disciples, even though it can be used in those other terms there in the Word of God. So we're going to use the disciple in the sense of true disciples throughout the rest of this study. Even though there's some that can fall away that aren't genuine, even so sometimes they're called the 12. We're talking about true disciples right now that we're going to look at. And so when you open your Bibles, you're going to find out there's some really strong language when it comes to talking about disciples. Really strong language when it comes. Uh, so the question again, so, so if you convince yourself that there's a certain class of disciples and then there's converts, if you do that, then we can tone down this Christianity a little bit and not really be that fanatical, right? I mean, that's what we can do if we, if we create two separate classes of believers, then we can just kind of tone, the, tone it down. Man, chill, Brad. You're getting a little too intense. Tone it down. and just. Uh, but, but, but one of the strongest, so, so does disciple equal Christian? Uh, and if so, then there's really not a whole lot of them. I'm going to say it again. If disciple equals Christian, then maybe there's really not a whole lot of them, as many as we think. And Jesus said it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be. But narrow is the way and straight is the gate that leads to eternal life. And few there be that find it. I want to be one of those few, Amen. So let's look at one of the strongest verses about disciples in the Word of God. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life. That's not a very good self-esteem verse, since we want to build up everybody's self-esteem these days. And yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What does the next verse say? For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation to ask for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. I didn't say it. But your Lord did. Remember the old opening quote. There are few that walk with the Lord that the guy said on a day-by-day -day basis. 
Jesus said there are not many. See, even preachers will recognize that, think like that, will recognize this, that there are few who walk with the Lord day by day. They just want to create another class. Is it possible to believe and not be committed? Is it possible to believe in Jesus Christ and not be committed to the gospel and to Christ? That is the question. Does it even make sense? To, not, to believe in him and not, not be committed. Does that make sense? If you really believe, then you're going to be committed, right? So he says here, is it possible to believe and not be committed and not walk with him? Believe but not forsake all. Jesus says, if you don't forsake all, then you are not my disciple. And that's not just for the ultra committed. He didn't say that's just for the ultra committed group that's there. Remember these words that are stated by Jesus. So whatever disciple means, you can't be one unless you forsake all that you have. That means I love him more than I love her. I love him more than I love my dad. I love him more than I love my sister. I love him more than I love my dog. I know people that won't go to heaven if their dog doesn't go there. My goodness, your dog's an idol above God. I love dogs too. And I hear they all go to heaven. But, 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 I want to love Jesus more than I love that. And he demands that I love him more than I love that. Forsaking all comes around, listen, to dealing with Christ as Lord. Forsaking all has to do with coming around to dealing with He is Lord. He is Lord of all. Lord. We don't know that term in the West because we're so free. Lord. Lord. He's Lord of all. He he is Lord of us. It essentially means that we think about Christ as Lord. Scripture says He is Lord of lords. So it is essential to be saved and then submit to Christ as Lord. That's what the Bible tells us. Be saved and submit to God as Lord. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Luke 19, 27 says, But as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them? These enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. That's what he does with people who won't reign over him in the future. This God is a lot more holy and a lot more reverent and a lot more amazing and a lot hates sin and and will not be defiled with it and we will not go into a new world and take all that in there. He pulverized his son on the cross for it. That's what he thinks about it in love so that we can be there. But, But he says, as for you're an enemy if you do not let him reign over you. 
If you do not submit to him, if you do not bring, then, he'll, then, then it's going to lead us to a place of slaughter. So let's go to the book of Acts because there's a lot of places in the word of God that I didn't realize that mentions disciple, especially in the early church. And let's continue to look at this and find out, is this term disciple used and how is it used? And is there really this two classes of Christian people that we break out? And so listen, as they traveled in the churches and they, and they went around, they called people disciples and in every church there's this uh, you know are they doing that because in the church we're really talking about this small committed group or were they talking about the whole church when they were addressing them that's what we want to that's what we dive in here and look at and so so uh let's look at this Acts six and seven and the word of god continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became disciples become obedient to the faith. Faith is linked with obedience. You can't separate the two out. It says that, that the obedience of faith, when people are coming to faith and they are coming, then they are being called disciples in the book of Acts. Uh, are they a special elite group, as we're asking about, who, who are obeying and then the majority of Christians don't obey? Is that, is that what we see in the book of Acts? The majority can just do whatever they want, call themselves Christians, but then, thank God, there's this little group called disciples in the Word of God who really do the will of God. Is that, is that Christianity? That's Western Christianity, but I don't think it's real Christianity. Look at what he says in Acts 9. But Saul, still breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he equates being a disciple with belonging to the way. Imagine Paul busting in this room right now, coming down this aisle, Daniel saying, or Saul, excuse me, Saul before Paul, he comes in this room, he busts down the aisle, he comes to you and he says, are you a believer? And you say, yes, I'm a believer. And he says, are you a disciple? Because if you are a disciple, I'm fixing to drag you out of here, throw you into prison or kill you. And you say, oh, thank goodness, I'm not a disciple, I'm a believer. And he says, oh, good, then I'm not going to mess with you. I'm going to get this disciple right here. Does that make any sense whatsoever? If you're going to belong to the way, then you are a Christian. You are a Christian. And uh, look at what Acts 9, 26. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him. Talking about Paul now, Saul becoming Paul. For they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how, the road, how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him. And how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So, so, so uh, disciple being afraid... Does that mean if you are a convert, but you're not a disciple, then you weren't afraid? But, but, but that's foolish again. No. If you were just a believer, then you were, you, you were afraid. You're, you're, if you were a disciple or, or a Christian at this time, you were afraid of Paul busting through the door and going to take you off and do that. He's not speaking to two different classifications of pe people and coming in the room and saying, would all the disciples stand up and just the convert stay seated, please, so we can take you out of here? All the, real, all the people who really follow Christ, 
And then those who just kind of just, just check a box and wait till heaven. You know, y'all, y'all, we're not messing with y'all. It does not make sense. It does not compute. It is not logically even compute. But I know spiritually it doesn't compute. Acts eleven twenty six. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Disciple equals Christian. Christian equals disciple. Yeah, I want you to all think about whether you want to be a Christian any longer. Yeah, I want you to weigh it. I want you to weigh the cost. Because we made a lot of converts. A lot of people who it doesn't cost you a thing go off to college. If you are my disciple, take up your cross and follow me. Lose your life and gain my life. These are words. These are words that cause John 6 and 66. Those are hard things. Eat your flesh, drink your blood. We're out. The world will take the world. I can't, I can't, that's extreme, man. And, and, and they walk with him no more. But we see here, disciple equal, and Christian equals each other. Uh, it, it does. Acts 14 and 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Who are the disciples? It's true disciples are encouraged to continue in the faith. Disciples are people in the church of Jesus Christ. That's who he's speaking to. Acts 18, 23. After spending some time there, he de- and I know this is going to go against a lot of what Grandma taught and our doctrine of what we learn, and that, and that bothers religious folks. But we're going in the Word of God. All I'm giving you is Scripture. Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. It should bust all of our churchianity and all of our denominationalism. And let's just go with what God says. Amen? What the Holy Spirit says. Acts 18, 23. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the regions of Galatia, Phrygia, Persia, uh, strengthening all the disciples. He never gives a double designation in the Word of God. He never identifies two different groups of people. He just always refers to these people as disciples. Disciples were Christians. Christians were disciples. Acts, Acts 18, 27. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace grace had believed. So the guys are only converts, so they don't welcome him? Is that what he's saying here? Just who are committed followers of Christ, you go and welcome them? No, he's not not classifying or breaking these up. He's again bringing it. So the passage means everybody in the church over there. No double designation for Christians. They are called disciples. Disciples are called Christians. So remember, what is it essential to do to believe the gospel? You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he says. Believe on, we skip over a part of that. Believe on the Lord Jesus. 
Jesus Christ is what it says. So does that mean I can believe on him but not obey him? Is that what that means, young people? Believe on him but don't do what he says? Is that, is that okay? Is, is, that, is that what he means here? To, uh, the basic faith in the gospel has to do with Jesus Christ as Lord. We remember somebody asked, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So, 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 so we, we, we know that we, we have to embrace him as Lord. If we believe on him as Lord, we have to make him Lord. We have to come under his lordship. Look at what Luke 6, 46 says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say to do? How do you do that? You're showing your hypocrisy. You look at me, you, you, you call me Lord, but you don't submit to me? Does that make any sense? That's what hypocrites do. Listen to what he says in Matthew 7, 21. It's not everybody that calls me Lord, Lord, who inherits the kingdom of God. Only those who call me Lord acknowledge me as the Lord of their life. Those inherit the kingdom of God. And they do the will of my Father is what distinguishes them. They do the will of the Father. Listen at Romans 10 about being saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You can't call on me, though, he says, and not submit to me. It's not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, and inherits the kingdom of God. It is those who do the will of the Father. Then he tells a parable about the wise man and the foolish man who builds the house on the rock, which we talked about a lot this past year, the The wise man hears these words and does them, but the foolish man hears my words and doesn't do them. And John is very emphatic to say, if we say that we know him and aren't keeping his commandments, then we are liars and the truth is not in us. And scripture could not be more plain about this if you will be honest. Matthew 7, but we don't like this. And we want to skim over these. And we want to make excuses. But Matthew, you, but the cross brings you to this place. You have to deal with this. We have to deal with the flesh. We, it, 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 you can't go past this, what, the, the cross with the flesh. And so he's dealing with us here. Matthew 7, 23, what he says to the people it, it, that don't do this, that don't let these words uh, come into them and do these words. He says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You were religious. You believed, you went to church, you cast out demons, but you never regarded me as Lord. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? So what characterized those people's lives? I'll tell you what it is, what we preached on last week, that the Antichrist leads and does, it's lawlessness. Lawlessness. You don't want him as Lord over you. You want to do what you want to do. You want to be the Lord of your life. You don't want to make him Lord. You don't want to submit to his lordship and do what he says to do. You want to be the master and ruler of your own life, right? And that's what we do. And and you want to create another God that will let you stay that way. 
So you create another Jesus. And that's what we've got is another Jesus who is okay with all that. And we feel comfortable when we gather ourselves with enough people in enough churches where they believe that way. We feel good about that way. I don't have to go down there and listen to that kind of preaching. I'll go down the road. So what characterizes their life is lawlessness. They didn't do what he said to do. And the idea that discipleship is some exclusive class with greater rewards is a lie. What Jesus is saying is that if you don't hate your father or your mother or your children or your closest relatives and even your own life more than me, then then you cannot be my disciple. You you have to recognize when Jesus saves, here's what he saves us from, self-rule. That's what he saves you from. He is saving you from ruling your own life. We, that's what we did in the garden, right? I can craft my own way. I can make my own way. I can make my own decisions. I can make my own choices. I can go outside of that and do. I can know good and evil for myself and make those decisions for myself. I'll rule myself. And he comes to save us out of that self-rule that the world right now is pushing down your throat. It's all about you. It's all about you and you and you and you. And don't listen to that. It's all you. It's about you, people. And then we've filtered it into churches. It's about you because we don't want you to leave here. And we don't want to offend you, so it's about you. So we'll cater the service around you. Oh, you're going to leave? We'll make it shorter. Oh, you like skits? Oh, you don't like this? You don't like that? Oh, by all means, let's bow down to you. It's to come under His authority. He said, come unto me, all you that are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And here's what lords do. Take up my yoke. Right? Let me put my yoke on you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That self-rule yoke is heavy. That devil yoke is heavy. Let me take that yoke off of you and let me put my yoke. But you're going to serve a master. You either love one and hate the other. Or or, or you're going to serve one. This one, devil, world, or him. You're serving somebody. You're under the lordship of somebody. And so he, he is Lord and he comes to offer us rest. He comes to offer us peace. He comes to offer us forgiveness and salvation. And he extends that yoke to us. But you must bow. You must bow to him as Lord. It's not works to surrender to him. Some of you say well, that means it's works. No, it's not works to surrender him. That's coming on his terms. That's coming to Him on His terms. If you believe on the name of Jesus, He is Lord, then you are deceiving yourself if you don't submit. Because what you're really saying is, I don't believe that He is Lord, or you're saying He has no sway over me. It's one of two things that you're saying when we reject Him. He says, if you love me, in John 14, He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And that would indicate if you don't love me, then you won't keep my commandments. Acts 2.36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him. You don't make him Lord. God made him Lord. 
God has made him both Lord and Christ, and this Jesus whom you crucified. God has given him reign over everything. God has, has set him up higher than every other name. God has exalted his throne above everything, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. God has put him as the only way to salvation. God has put him as, 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 as uh, making every other so-called God a no God at all. God has made this Christ the Lord of all and the King of kings and the Lord of lords and he will reign and given him reign over everything. So that brings us down to Matthew 28 and 19 which is a commandment and a commission for us as the church of Jesus Christ and where we want to be whole as a body at Brookside Church of God to take this command and this commission and no longer just don't. We've sat in here for years and years and years and years and preached to our wounds and preached to our ourselves and that's fine and we'll do that some more in the future but he has he has saved us and now he's commissioned us to be healed and to go out and to take the generosity and the consolation that we've received and to go out and tell other people hey you too can be saved you too can come out of this untoward generation you too can have eternal life you too can have peace joy you can have a good ruler ruling over you you can know God and you can be in fellowship with God and so Matthew 28 comes along in verse 18 and he says and Jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples he doesn't say create converts or an extra special class of people he says go and make disciples and then he attaches baptizing to making disciples so if it's truly a two class system then he would say go and make converts and go and make disciples but he doesn't say that. He says, go and make disciples. And, and you know, he didn't say, don't concern yourself with the majority of people that are, that, 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 that are going to be saved, but they don't follow me. Don't worry about them. They're okay. They're going to heaven. Don't worry about doing anything with them. But you, you go and make disciples out of the ones who are willing to let you make disciples. Does that make any sense to anybody in this room? So obviously, disciple here means that it is what it, it's what it is to make a Christian. If we say that we know Christ and don't keep His commandments, as I said in 1 John 2, 4, you, you may, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. It, it, that, that's what he says. So, so, so if, if, that's, if I read that scripture then I'm not going to bank my soul on what that pastor said. I'm not going to bank my soul on hoping there's a class of converts and a class of disciples, and I'm going to just say, well, I'll just stay right over here and just not worry about that because it's going to be a lot easier and simpler, and I'm not going to have to forsake all. Uh, so I'll just, I'll just hang out in this camp over here. I would hate to bank. Hey, I, ho I hope it works out, but I would hate to bank my eternity on that. In fact, I'm not going to. And, 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 and so Matthew 7, 21 says, If you don't do the will of the Father, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. To truly be a disciple means that His Word abides in you. My sheep hear me, and they know my voice, and they follow me. They do what I say. 
They follow me. They follow me. Scripture talks about hearing and not hearing. They hear it and they do it. His sheep are not a special class of people. They are his disciples. And they hear him and they follow him in the way. Let's go to John 15.1. Not too much longer. I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And if every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that he may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that abides in you and that I've spoken to you, sheep. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire. And I believe it's talking about hell. And burned. He equates not abiding with being burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you by my Father which is in heaven. That you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. He equates discipleship with bearing fruit. You're bearing fruit. If we want to know who are his disciples, it's either burned, you're either burned or you're fruitful. If you're not fruitful, you're burned. If you're fruitful, you're, you're, you're his. That's what he says here. That's what he tells us. That, folks, judgment day is a very fearful thing. We're talking about teachers. You ought to tremble. I tremble. I almost wish I hadn't asked for this. It says as a teacher, you are held to a stricter judgment for what you teach. A stricter judgment. The words that come out, what I teach you. Why do you think I risk my life up here from being stormed at the stage by things that people don't want to hear? Because I fear God. I fear standing before Him more than I fear standing before you. Revelation 21 gives a list of who will be burned. Revelation 21.8 But the cowardly, the faithless, I want you to hear this one, the detestable, some of your Bibles say abominable, but I want you to remember the word detestable. As for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, I could go on, I could preach on every bit of this. Our world is eaten up with these things. Your television is eaten up. Eaten up. The things you're buying and allowing your teenagers to do is eaten up with witchcraft, sorcery, things that God detests. And we act like they are just nothing. We act like they are just nothing. The things we read, the things we watch, the things we listen to, they're an abomination. They're, 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 going, to be, they're going to be judged and cast out of the kingdom of God. Murderers, the sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. 
And all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now I want you to remember that word detestable. These things that go into the fire. Look at Titus 1.16. He uses the exact same phrase. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They're detestable. Disobedient. Unfit for any good work. Is that in your Bible? I didn't make that up. They profess to know God. This is a lot of people we know. But they deny Him by their works. Converts or disciples? Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm for you. I, this is not to try to I'm, that's why I'm preaching this. I want people to come into the kingdom of God. God wants people to come into the kingdom of God. But I want you to come in truthfully. I want you to be a true disciple. I don't want you to come in falsely. I don't want you to come in with a false idea, a false belief, and stand before Him on that day. And He says, Lord, Lord, I went to Brookside Church of God. I was there every Sunday. I listened to that guy preach. I sang a little bit. I did this. I did that. I cut the grass. I did all these other things. And he says, I don't know you. You're not mine. And then they look over at me and say, why didn't you tell me? Why did you let me think this? Is that what we want? It's not just my job to be telling that. It's yours. They're going to look at you. Mom, Dad, are you serious? What did you tell me? Eternity's a long time. You told me I was okay. You took me down there. You said I was, everything was all right. The preacher said we were converts. He said you could be saved and not walk daily with you. Let me in. Folks, we don't believe in a half Christ. Hallelujah, Father. Holy Spirit, you were here at the beginning. And I believe you're here now. You are the searcher of hearts. I am not judging one person in this room. I don't know their hearts. All I'm doing is dispensing the word. I talked to a couple people this week about this message. Troubled. Afraid to deliver it. Just the... the not wanting people under condemnation, not wanting people who struggle with their salvation to feel worse, but yet not wanting game players to be comfortable. God, the hour's late. I, I, Lord, I'm not in this as a game. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I, in fact, it's getting more. Flesh killing as the years go by. A lot more things I could do through the week and on Sundays. 
with my time and my energy. My wife and I have, man, our whole life has been given to this church. And if I find out on judgment day that I did all this in vain, man, I'm going to be kicking and screaming. (laughs) Please don't let it be in vain. Please save souls. Please transform lives. Please make true converts of Jesus Christ. Please let people know you. God, please bring the backsliders home. Please, God, don't let people play with fire. If we play with fire and pull it into our bosom, your word says we're going to get burned. God, we can find security in you. We can find grace in you. We can find acceptance in you. We can be, but God, one thing your word is clear on today is we, we Christians are disciples. And, and you say some pretty interesting things about disciples that we just went through. And God, I want to be your disciple. It's worth it. It's worth it. God, I want to, I want to forsake everything. God, you can have my house now. You can have, I, Lord, the, for 20 years I've been trying to struggle with this. Would I and could I? And I know I can't apart from you. And I know in the early days I wanted you, but I, I didn't want to lose my wife or my children. That, that, was the, that, was the, that was the most difficult thing, God. I was fearful of the future. And if, they, if, if, if serving Christ would, 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 would cost me my house or if it would cost me imprisonment or death or martyrdom, I was fearful, 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 fearful and wanted to save my life and, and hoped you would never call me. To, I still don't want to be called to those things. But God, but God, but God, I, I, I was honest before you with those feelings that I, that I can't do that humanly possible. And God, you're you're working something into my life that as we live in the perilous days that Kevin mentioned, God, a faith is coming into my heart. And God, there's something like in the book of Revelation where I'm I'm, I'm coming to a place where I I think you're bringing me to a place where I, I love not my life even unto death. A place like Peter where when he was young, he clothed himself and dressed himself and went wherever he wanted to go. But when he's older... Another address you, Peter, and you'll be led to places you don't want to go. But God, you're worth it. You're worth it, God, and I trust you with my life. I trust you. I trust you that wherever you lead me in the days ahead, you're a good Lord. You're a good Father. You're a good Father. And where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. In fact, that's what you look when those others went away, God. When those others went away in John 6 and 66, you looked at them and, God, I guess maybe that's the altar call that I look towards these today. Will you go too? Will you, do you want to go too? And I hope the response today will be like, Peter, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. I trust you, Lord. Even though I can't figure it all out, I trust you. And so my altar call, I guess, would just be, would you be willing today to want Christ in all of his glory and to be resigned to the will of God, which is really freedom? 